Good morning. I'm Carrie Miller. This is NPR News. Coming up, what Putin wanted and what he got at his summit with President Trump. But first to the political junkie. Good morning, Ken Rudin. How are you? Good morning, Kerry. He got everything he wanted. He did. <laughs> hey, by the way, I have to say that I saw the button of the day <laughs> tweeted. Right. Oh, well, you are you know. devilish, aren't you? Well, That's not a I, real I, I button, is it? It's a real. It's a real button. It's not. It's, it? Of course, it's a. Car, it's a caricature, but it's a real button. It's, it was put out there. I don't. I don't. I don't make them. I just. Oh I just, just. I just show America, and they can decide. America can decide. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'll retweet your tweet of the button. It was quite. Should we describe? <laughs> no. We'll leave that. We'll leave that to curious okay. uh, uh, Twitter listeners. Okay. What do you mean when you say Putin got everything he wanted? Like what? Well, he he got dissension in the NATO alliance. He got the president attacking uh, European allies. He called the European uh, Union a foe. Uh, and here we have the Putin who is kicked out of the G7, who is uh, who is roundly dismissed by the world uh, for his invasion of, uh, of of Ukraine in 2014, uh, the meddling in the U.S. election, and only last Friday, as we just heard on the newscast, uh, the re- the response to to what happened uh, with the, the Department of Justice with the indictment of 12 Russian intelligence officers for what they did in the in the U.S. interference election in 2016. And here he is being welcomed by an American president who says that we could be good friends. And he didn't say that about Germany. He didn't say that about Britain. He certainly didn't say that about, about Trudeau of Canada in the aftermath of G7. But with Vladimir Putin, from day one, Donald Trump has said, uh, uh, this guy could be a friend and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that we are friends with this country. It, it does feel a little bit like upside down land, doesn't it? I, you know, Canada, Germany, get away from me. Putin, you're you're such a charming man. Where have you been all my life? It just, well, you it's know, I, bizarre. Now, I, hear a, I hear a smile in your voice. Yes. And I hear, yes, upside down. But I also at the same time read Charles Blow in the New York Times this morning who said, Trump is a traitor and may well be treasonous. That's beyond wow. just funny stuff. I mean, that's strong stuff, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm only repeating it because there is a feeling out there that what whatever Donald Trump is doing with with U.S. relations with so-called allies, with NATO, with the G7, all that that uh, he is fermenting divisions with it, with with the, within those alliances, and that exactly is what the Putin playbook is all about. Uh, I, I listened to the impromptu press conference that the president held after the NATO summit. And there were a number of different statements, Ken, but this is the one that I think had not been planned. And then he started to take questions. And it was, I mean, it sounded really remarkably off the cuff. And he seemed to be riffing on whether NATO had committed to 2% or 4%. I mean, it was hard to... It was hard to understand whether anything substantial actually got done at that meeting, except that the European leaders were able to re, you know, reel him back in on his the United States doesn't need to be in NATO anyway. I mean, there was no forward motion, I guess, was was my assumption. What do you see? I think I think what maybe Trump got out of it is the fact that just as just with as with President Obama, uh, the United States has been urging its allies, NATO allies, for years to increase the percentage of what they sp- each country spends on its own defense. Obama uh, pressured the NATO allies for years on that, got nowhere. Trump 
Trump basically is taking credit for for the for the the, the agreement, the understanding that yes, these these allies are increasing spending, and it's now become uh, an issue that they're concerned about. So so Trump, as as with everything, everything is a self congratulatory uh, press conference by him, and he certainly congratulated himself for the focus on defending, uh, for the, these countries defending themselves. The me, spending more money on their own defense. The me and only me, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, so the opera, he's the opera singer, the me, 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 me. I mean, that's exactly <laughs> what he does, and he does it sometimes very effectively. Will uh, tweets here, what was the purpose of this meeting? Now back to Trump and Putin. Considering Russian defense officials were indicted on Friday for hacking into U.S. computers and interfering with the election that put Donald Trump into office, one wonders what was so important about this meeting that Donald Trump felt he could not cancel. I just I want to I want to ask something that Will's raising there, Ken, which is, do you think do you think the president has members of his closest uh, circle of advisors who were disagreeing with him and he was taking he went ahead with the meeting anyway, but that he that he has people on his team who can say to him, here's the reason why you shouldn't do it, and be assured that he's giving some serious consideration to that. The only people I've heard say don't do it are Democrats. And, of course, the president does not listen to Democrats. I do, you do know that the National Security Advisor, John Bolton, the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, are very skeptical of, of Putin's intentions. Uh, John Bolton has always been known as a, a Russian, a hardliner when it comes to Putin and Russian expansionism. But are they going to Trump and saying, don't do this or be on, be on the warning? Well, look, Trump is, as we've always said, he's his own secretary of state. He's his own national security advisor. He knows more. Look, by, by, by playing golf for two days prior to the meeting, the, the meeting with Putin, mm. instead of sitting down and, and getting in, you know, involved in details and what to, and, and to prepare, you know that the president is very confident of his own abilities. He was confident as his businessman. He was confident as a candidate. And he's confident now as president, even though Putin, by all accounts, should be able to outsmart him, and given the fact that he's a former KGB uh, uh, operative, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Uh, I, I have to read you this from Amy Walter, who I think is still with the Cook Political Report, right? She is. Really yes. smart on politics. She says, my neck is still sore from whiplash and watching Republicans who attacked Obama as leading from behind and not being tough enough on our enemies now bend over backward to rationalize Russian election interference as no big deal. What's I mean, is this just really all about the person, you know, the cult of personality around Donald Trump and policy? We can't expect any continuity on policy anyway. Well, look, I'm surprised Amy Walter would even bother writing about that because we've been saying that and we've all been saying I'm not criticizing Amy, of course, but we've all been saying that forever, that the, 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 the acquiescence of the Republicans in Congress on all things Trump is just remarkable. And, you know, of course, if you don't go all the way, you become like Mark Sanford or Jeff Flake. You, you become outcast and lose your own primaries and your political career is over. But when I saw that the berating of the FBI 
FBI agent uh, last week in that hearing, this the House Intelligence Committee hearing, and the, the saying that how, you know the guy saying how uh, Louis Gohmert, the Republican from Texas, saying how do you look at your wife and uh, the fact that you lie to her, and and this is a party that that, that supports the president in all his lies and all his lies to all his wives, let alone to the rest of the country. It's just uh, uh, remarkable what they see and what they don't see. Ken Rudin with us, the political junkie, as he usually is on Mondays. If you have a question for Ken about President Trump in Europe meeting Vladimir Putin, about Democrat strategy for the midterm, some interesting reading over the weekend on that, 651-227-6800-242-2828. You can also tweet in a question at Kerry NPR. Some interesting analysis, uh, Ken, that I've been reading about how populism is changing the United States and how it's changing Europe. And I was reading this piece by Roger Cohen uh, in an op-ed in, in The Times about it. He wrote, worse, populism, it's freighted with contempt applied to all voters who have decided that mainstream political parties have done nothing for their static incomes or disappearing jobs or sense of national decline these past two decades. Populism is a dismissive term for everything metropolitan elites can't quite find the energy to understand. I think you might be one of those metro elites, Ken, that he's talking about. What do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, it's one of those words like nationalism, like nativism, that certainly has given a whole new meaning to what it is. Look, there's obviously a rejection, an antipathy towards the to, to the status quo, the way that things had been working, and Donald Trump, as we've seen in Europe as well, there's a there's this outgrowth of new nationalism and anti-elitism that seems to be taking over, and also uh, accompanying that is this this new move towards authoritarianism, whether it's about a dismissal, about the, the media. We saw Donald Trump in Europe talking about, once again, the media is the enemy of the people and corrupt media and CNN is fake news and NBC is fake news. And the more you say it over and over and over again, uh, it, it can only lead to more and more people saying, well, maybe the media is fake or maybe it is not reporting the truth. And and when you when start when people more and more people start to say, well, maybe the media is not our bulwark against uh, authoritarianism, we all lose, and that seems to be the Trump playbook. And, and Vladimir Putin says, "Mission accomplished. Well done. Exactly. On to the next Don't disruption." Think- right. I mean, exactly right. And even if this does not prove collusion, I mean, I don't know what Robert Mueller is seeing in all this, especially with the indictment on Friday. And maybe, look, clearly, in my mind, Russia clearly had a a choice, a favorite in the, in the 2016 election. Did Trump uh, work with the Russians? I mean, that's for Robert Mueller to, 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 to sort out. But even if he didn't, it was clear what Russia was trying to do, and it seems clear that, that Trump benefited from it and is still trying to repay the favor in, in a summit like you, or a meeting like you're seeing today. Uh, Ken, I wonder what you think about what happened in California over the weekend with Dianne Feinstein um, and, and the party. I mean, it looks like she's still in a really strong position to come out of that Democratic primary, but the party oh. endorsing somebody else. What's that in the background, Ken? I, I think it's a phone that shouldn't be shouldn't be on, and it is off. But he's it's still talking, and I think I'm throwing it across the room. All right, and breaking some furniture in the in the process. Good, you do but that. It, yeah, but anyway, so but, but it's pretty pretty remarkable. It just shows that it, within the Democratic Party, there's a very strong 
uh, liberalism, progressive, left-wingism, whatever you want to call it, supporting Kevin DeLeon against Dianne Feinstein. Uh, Feinstein. And what's interesting about the, the endorsement of DeLeon is that Feinstein has really done what she said. She, you know, she has moved towards the left in recent years. She has no longer talking about, I want to work with President Trump. I'm no longer a supporter of capital punishment. I'm more, you know, more in tune with the, the angry Democratic electorate. But that still didn't satisfy the California Democrats who, who voted for, who endorsed uh, De Leon by 65% of the vote. But wow. all, yeah. poll, all polls show that Feinstein has a huge lead. By the way, there is no Republican in this race for the second Senate race in a row in California. The Republicans don't even have a candidate. It's between Dianne Feinstein and somebody even further to the left. So it shows the Democratic Party is angry. We saw that with the Joe Crowley upset uh, by Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez in New York uh, a few weeks ago. But whether it plays nationally, look, whether Feinstein wins or De Leon wins, it's still, you know, a big win for the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. But you can see the anger is still there. Back to Russia here, Ken, and a call from Astrid in St. Paul. Hi, Astrid. Hi. Um, I'll try and make this concise. Okay. Um, I was wondering, Ken, I have a lot of respect for Masha Geffen and her opinion on Trump and his relations with Putin. Um, what I'm wondering is, what is your thought? What are your thoughts on the fact that Trump is alienating the United States from our allies, and then he's embracing people like Kim Jong Un and, of course, Putin? But according to Mashagessen, actually, Putin and the Russians think he's a big buffoon. So it seems like he's alienating us from everyone because the people he's embracing really don't think anything of him. And then the allies who, you know, we need, regardless, you know, he's already alienated them. Okay. So we're kind I, of like Astrid, I, I think we've got the, the essence of that. What do you think, Ken? I mean, well, this is the most disheartening thing of the, the most, other than having a phone call go off in the middle of my conversation with you, Kerry. I think the uh, the most disheartening thing <laughs> of everything is just watching uh, the reaction to what Trump is doing and the reaction not only among our allies, where uh, the uh, the regard for the U.S. and certainly the regard for Trump is just at rock bottom. But if you looked at a poll in Russia, they despise him in Russia too. So it's not that his he's gaining favor with anyone. It's just that what he's doing is he's sowing, as I said, the sowing the the the, uh, the the distrust and the disillusionment uh between the US and its allies and and who benefits? I mean we don't benefit uh when you talk about how these 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 trade deals that, that are that are hurting this country and destroying the country. Uh you know, I mean he'll he'll the president will attack the allies, the, the Mexico, the European Union, while praising the Russians of the world and and again, it goes back to the earlier conversation, why the Republicans, members of Congress, the Republicans elite, other than the few people like, you know, Steve Schmidt or George Will, why they go along with it and what they think they can gain from it. It's a good question. We'll ask Molly McHugh and Chris Preble about that on the other side of news as we talk about this summit that has just finished. I think President Trump and Putin getting ready to make some statements and we'll bring you any news out of those statements as well. Ken, thanks. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next Monday. Thanks. I'll go get that phone now. Thanks. <laughs> you do that. And I will retweet Ken's funny little button of the day.